Father, we just continue to give you worship. We continue to just say this morning that we love you. And Father God, we thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit, that your presence with us, the assurance of our salvation, of this great hope that we have. And we just worship you today. And Lord, we just ask as we look into this uh, very sharp uh, passage today, that you would do your will and help us to, to understand all that you would have. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the title this morning is Put Sin to Death. And that's a tough topic. It's a tough topic for each and every one of us as we seek our own walk with God and as we seek our walk together with God. It was about 10 years ago, back in 2006, I was, uh, Friday morning, I'm supposed to be preaching at UCCD uh, Church up in Dubai, and I woke up and I had incredible pain. Had no idea what it was. I'd never had pain like that before. So I didn't, I never went to church, never preached that morning, went to the emergency room. They're thinking, oh, maybe it's kidney stones, maybe it's whatever. Went through a bunch of tests, and basically after they did scans and everything else, they said... You have cancer. And the cancer had spread and actually had tumors growing inside my abdomen. And so operations and then going through chemotherapy. Uh, Chemotherapy is not fun. Chemotherapy is poison. One of the things that happens is that all your hair falls out, which isn't that big a deal for me, is it? (laughs) And uh, it's not nice. But it was during that time of going through the chemotherapy where obviously uh, there's discouragement there, there's just kind of wondering what's going on, all of those kind of things. And there was one night, in the middle of the night I woke up, and God's presence was there. And God wanted to meet with me. And I was excited about it. I thought, I need something from God tonight. And really, I was so excited. And I went out into our sitting room, and I sat down, and I pulled out my Bible, and I just started reading with this expectations and literally feeling God's presence in the room. And then I got to the verse in Proverbs that says... I hate arrogance and spiritual pride. And the Holy Spirit said, that's the message for you. I was so angry. I threw my Bible down, ran out of the room, And for three days, I didn't go back to talk with God. I was just so angry. God, aren't you paying attention? 
can't you see that I actually need a little help right now? Why are you kicking me while I'm down? That's what I felt. And so after three days, finally going back, going to prayer with God and saying, God, I do not understand any of this. What in the world is going on? And he took me on a journey. And the first thing that he showed me is he said, Kevin, sin is like cancer. Just like the cancer can spread through your body and start to take over everything, and it invades everything, it permeates everything, and it destroys you, and left unchecked, it kills you. And arrogance and spiritual pride is worse than cancer. During that time, I went to one of my friends, and I asked him, a very close friend, I said, do you consider me an arrogant, uh, a prideful person? And and he said no. So I reminded God of what my friend said. (laughs) And the response was, Kevin, you didn't know cancer was in you. You didn't know anything. And it was growing until it manifested itself. And your sin of arrogance and pride was going to manifest itself and think about how much damage you could do to my kingdom as a Christian leader here and functioning out of that kind of sin. And so I said, God, please show me. I still don't, I don't get it. Give me, give me practical things. And so for the next three weeks, he did that. And as I would go to my time with God, and then I would think of an individual or another minister or another ministry, and the real thoughts of my heart would come up about how I would put them down in my mind. I would see weaknesses, and I would bring up all these weaknesses. And somehow I would put them down, and I would put me up. And God showed me my pride and arrogance towards that brother or that ministry. And when he would do that, then I would go down on my knees and I would confess, God, I'm sorry that I did that. It was wrong. I repent. And that went on for three weeks. Every time, another individual, another ministry. And during that time, what God did is that he replaced my pride and arrogance of looking at other people and other ministries with his eyes towards those ministries, that they are created for him, brothers and sisters created by him, for him, to do his ministry, how much he loved these brothers and sisters and gifted them to do their ministry. And he he totally changed my life. In those three weeks, he opened my eyes to my own sin, but he also opened my eyes to the richness of my brothers and sisters. And I look back at that time and I realize that really cancer saved my life. It saved my life. And sin, sin is like 
cancer. And that's why we have to put it to death. And so when we look at Colossians in chapter 3 as we continue our, our study of Paul's letter to this little new church, I love the way he starts in this section to talk about sin. You know what he starts with? Not sin. But he starts with our incredible position in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. He starts, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, and you have been, so we could say since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We saw earlier how we have been raised spiritually through Christ. And we know that that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that we are now spiritually united with Christ in that place. I love the way Paul said it to the church in Ephesus. He said this in Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him. And get this, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We positionally are in Christ right now. Because of that, therefore, he says, seek the things that are above. And then he goes on in verse 2. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Once we understand we have this spiritual position with Christ, then our mind, our values, our thoughts are going towards his kingdom, the things that are important to him, those earthly things, things like running after um, fame, running after fortune, running after power, running after position, the things of the world. That's, that's not where we are because we have this foot that is up there spiritually in heaven. And so there's this sense where Paul is saying there's a job that we have to do, like this little church in Colossae had to do. Our part in this process of God's sanctification. He said it, seek the things that are above. Set your minds on the things that are above. Down in verse 5, he'll say, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In 3, verse 12, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Back in chapter 2, in verse 6, he said, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And back in chapter 1, verse 23, continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. These are all things we do. These are all things we're commanded to do in light of this position that we have. He goes on in verse 3. 
And he says, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It is no longer I that live, it's, it's Christ that lives in me. This is our identity. This is who we are now in Christ. And he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In glory. Let that just sink in a little bit. When we go to meet Christ, there's going to be glory. It's going to be glory around the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I share in that glory. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You know, we have a beautiful picture in these first four verses of chapter 3 about sanctification. Sanctification is a word that means to, to make holy, to set aside. And that's what God is doing with us. He's set us aside. He's making us holy as his children. And I love the way theologian Wayne Gruden explains it. He says this. He says, sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. And so we have this picture of our sanctification. Sanctification is past, present, and future. Our sanctification is positional in that because of the death of Christ on the cross, we are saved and we are raised up with him in heaven. Nothing can be done to change that. We have that firm, our position. But we're here. So we have this present sense of our sanctification that is progressive, where you and I have the job of working with God for our growth. Because God gave us choices. And that's why he's going to go on to say, make some choices about how your lives are functioning. But then he also, in these last verses, we say that our sanctification is still future. It's that time where our positional uh, sanctification that we have will become perfect and complete when the Lord Jesus comes back and we're with him. And so here is this process that God has put us through. Positionally, that's who we are in Christ. He's going to raise us up. Those are his things that we have nothing to do with. (laughs) It's done by grace. But while we're here, we work with God for our own lives, and especially in dealing with sin. Yep. See? Agreement. He also said one other thing that was very inspiring for me. Wayne Gruden said that sanctification is usually a corporate process in the New Testament. It is something that happens in community. It's something we go through together. 
And when you think about issues of sin and that kind of stuff, well, who are we sinning against? Usually it's one another in this room. It makes sense that our process of going forward with God, it's involving one another. And so if we just take a look at our chart and just have a little bit of, a, of revision, and we see that here is this dominion of darkness, and we're going to go into that darkness in these next verses, specific Things of darkness. But how when the Lord Jesus Christ came and he died for us, remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. He has taken us and transferred us into his kingdom of light. He's delivered us from that darkness. We're redeemed. We're refit, uh, forgiven. He has reconciled us with God. Brothers and sisters, that is where we are positionally, in the kingdom of light. But it's like we have one foot in the world and one spiritual foot in heaven in the kingdom of light. And we have sin. And we have to deal with that sin. And so, verse 5 of chapter 3, Paul says to them, put to death. Annihilate. Disintegrate. Whatever word you want to use, whatever it is, it needs to be obliterated. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. See, it's amazing when you think about here we're addressing sin, and we can do that on the one hand, yet at the other hand know our position in Christ. God gave that to us. We can be assured of our position in Christ even as we're struggling in the sin over here. And then he gives us a list. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Let's never forget that God hates sin. He loves the sinner but God hates sin. In these two you once walked, when you were living in them, when you were just running after the things of the world and you were in that bondage and you couldn't break it, you couldn't get out of it because you didn't have any power. You didn't have the Holy Spirit in you to where you could actually say no to sin through the power of God. We used to be there, all of us, we used to be there. But we've moved into this kingdom, and we've got this baggage with us. We've got this sin nature still with us that we will fight until we go to be with Jesus. But we need to fight. So then he goes in verse 8. But now you must put them all away. And I love this word. What it, if you can just picture, if I had a, this old, ugly, ripped, worn, dirty coat... And I just had to take it off, and I had to just throw it away and put it away. That's, that's the picture here. That's what we need to do with that ugly, dirty sin that's hanging on and clinging on to us. We need to just take it and throw it and get rid of it. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, 
and obscene talk from your mouth. He goes on in verse 9. Do not lie to one another. Talking community. He's bringing out now how important the community is. Because when I go back through those things about being anger, wrath, malice, slander, that's stuff that I would do to you. You would do to me, to one another. These sins are impacting other people. When he's saying, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We're being renewed. We're, we're in a sense, we're changing back to something. And that something is that when God as, God, as creator, had Adam and Eve perfect, holy, pure, in harmonious love with him in the garden, that is where we will be again. And we're being renewed in the knowledge of that relationship with the living God. And then he goes on in verse 11. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, for Christ is all and in all. Because these are the points where the world tries to divide individuals. When we think about Greek and Jew, we're thinking about racial tensions. Is there any racial tensions around the world today? <laughs> Jesus said that nation will rise against nation in the end days. That word nation is ethne. It actually means people groups. That's why we see what's going on in Kurdistan and Iraq right now or we see in Spain right now, where individual people groups are rising up to fight other individual people groups that are different from them. But not here. Because here, we have one Lord. We have one Master. It's not about our um, racial heritage. And then he goes on and he talks about circumcised and uncircumcised. It's not about religious heritage or denominational heritage. Or he talks about barbarian or Scythian. We're not talking about different cultures here. Or even slave and free. Talking about social differences in the world. Everything is about Jesus. And when we come into this room together... There's this sense of the Lord Jesus Christ is our master, only him. And nothing else matters. What country you're from, how much money you make, what position you have, it doesn't matter. As brothers and sisters in front of a holy God where we all come in and get on our knees before him and say, we follow you and you alone. And we do it together. That is so different from the world. And yet that is our heritage. And so we have this incredible picture of our position in Christ and all that Christ has done for us, but also this responsibility 
to walk with him and to deal with sin. And so this morning, we can't just talk about dealing with sin, can we? We actually have to do something about it. So what I'm going to do is I'd like to go, I'm going to go back through the list because I went through it very quickly. And I just want to read it through. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and just to speak to each one of us in this room. And I would like the Holy Spirit to just shine his holy light in maybe the dark corners of our life and just show us them things that aren't right. Maybe things that are on the list, maybe they're not on the list. And so as I read through this, I just want you to sit and listen to what God would say to you if there is something going on in your life. And then we want to go back and we actually want to, as a corporate group, pray a prayer of confession. And at that point, uh, I'll have the elders come up and together we will just pray back through that list and bring them up to God. So as together we can humble ourselves before God. Father, as we go into this time, I just want to invite your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, that you would come and shine that holy light and you would speak to each person here just the way you want to. Father, we want to do business with you today on sin And we just invite you, give you permission to come and speak that truth. Lord, you said to us, put it to death. So speak to us now. Put to death sexual immorality. That is any kind of engagement in illicit sex, fornication, prostitution. He said, put to death impurity. This is any kind of immoral behavior. Put to death passion. Any kind of dishonorable passion, such as lust. Put to death evil desires. Any kind of craving or longing that is at its root evil. Put to death covetousness or greed. That's setting your affections on earthly things above the heavenly things where Christ is seated. Unchecked hunger for physical pleasures. Put off anger, that indignation or wrath or vengeance, that continuous state of smoldering or seething hatred. Put off wrath or rage or a quick temper. This is any intense, passionate desire of an overwhelming and destructive character. 
put off malice, that attitude that wishes harm or injury to others. Put off slander. The word there really is blaspheme. It's the defamation of another character. Put off obscene talk. Anything that is low or foul, dirty, shameful, abusive, words that contaminate both the speaker and the hearer. Put off lying. It's communicating what is false with the evident purpose of misleading someone else to deceive them, to cheat them. As we've gone through this list, maybe the Spirit has just spoken into your heart. We want to respond now, and I would ask if you could just stand and join me. And I would ask if the elders would come forward. And we're just going to go now into a time of actual confession. We can just stand. So could you just stand together? And during this time, I just, as we keep our eyes focused on the Lord, and you're speaking between you and the Lord, and if you feel like you want to get on your knees or, or stand in the aisle or, or go stand next to somebody, feel free to do that. But this is actually our opportunity, our chance, our time to clean the slate, to have the spiritual operation, to get rid of the cancer, and to go forward with all that God has for us. So let's go in this time of humility before God and, and confession to him, Brother Ray. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we sin against you, doing things to satisfy the desires of our flesh, to satisfy our earthly nature, desires that are against your will, desires that do not bring you honor and glory, but only keeps us further and further away from you. Forgive us, Lord for exchanging this temporary and shallow enjoyment with eternal peace and joy that can only be found by doing your will and to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to rationalize our sins, for labeling unclean things as unsuitable for minors but tolerable for adults. But in truth, Lord, what is unclean, immoral, distasteful, whether seen or read by an adult or minor, is still wrong and sinful. Forgive us, Lord, for reading or watching printed or visual materials that contain explicit description or display things to stimulate our sexual desires. Lord, we know that it is wrong, and yet, we try to rationalize that it's okay because we can control ourselves. But this is how the enemy wants it, Lord, to start small, which would seem trivial 
but in time it will grow to a full-blown sin that will ensnare us. Help us, Lord, to control ourselves and to flee from temptations. Lord, we confess that there are times that we have impure thoughts and intentions. Sometimes we say to ourselves that it is just appreciation, but really it is already lasting. Sometimes we have ulterior motives in our actions. Sometimes we are not conscious of the impure thoughts, but there are times we do it willfully. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to be sensitive to what we think, what we say, and do, so that it would always be pure, clean, without malice, and sincere. Lord, we confess that we spend too much time, too much of our resources to enjoy earthly, our earthly lives. We go out of our way and spend beyond our means to have more and more material possessions, to eat and drink at fancy places, to be seen as successful and happy, to be in step with everybody, to be popular, to be unique, to stand out, to be the best. We spend everything on what we are passionate about. Yet, Lord, all these are temporary and fleeting and none of it bring honor and glory to you. Help us to acknowledge and confess all our sexual immoralities in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our actions, and in our speech. Not holding on to what that any part. Help us to truly repent so that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can put it all to death and not give any chance for it to come back and ensnare us again. Show us the way, Lord, and help us to follow your lead. Lord, we know that by ourselves we cannot overcome, but with you in us, we know that we can overcome. Thank you, Father. And as we continue in prayer, we come before you, Lord, and First and foremost, Lord, if there is anything in my own heart right now that I have holding against you, that you would remove that from me, that my prayer would not be hindered, that our prayers would not be hindered. And, Lord, we come before you and confess that uh, those things of evil desires that we've had in our hearts, the things we may not mention, the things maybe we meditate on that are not right, they're not godly, they're not honoring, they're not just or righteous or pure or clean. Forgive us for those. Remove those thoughts from us. Help our focus to be back on you and not on things and cares of this world. Those things that we desire, may they be desired because they further the kingdom of Christ, not our own desires, not worldly gain, not temporary gain, but gain that's eternal, gain that will pass through the fires and not burn up with the wood, hay, and stubble, but will be refined and become stronger. And Lord, we confess that those those thoughts as they enter in, don't allow them to to, to, linger, to grow. Don't allow them to fester and to, to, to become stronger in our hearts. Help us to put those desires apart, put them away, and put them behind us as we put Christ before us. And Lord, we also come before you and we want to mention too that the, the thoughts of covetousness. And Lord, 
You tell us that you will supply all of our needs. Your word tells us that you will supply the needs according to your riches and glory. And as we covet things that aren't ours or aren't in this time to be ours, maybe it's later, but don't allow covetousness to be something that's part of our life, part of our church. You're going to supply those things at the right time in the right way or maybe something different. You have the plan that's perfect and help us to trust that plan not our own desires to have something now, something that's temporarily satisfying or gratifying to our heart or to our, our own, what we think is best desire. So, Lord, we pray that we would put, apart, put away and put apart from us those covetous desires to have something that somebody else has, a position somebody else has, a building, a, 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 a working spot, whatever it may be. Don't allow us to covet those things. Because we want only what you would have best for our. We just want what you want, Lord, and we want what you have for us first and foremost, and not to be coveting those things which Satan puts in front of us and dangles temptingly in front of us. So we don't want to be tempted by him. We want to be focused on Christ. And Lord, also the, we come for, and confess the sins of idolatry in our lives. Lord, as we put those things in front of you that we shouldn't. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's ministry. If it's coming before our relationship with you, we confess that to you, Lord. Sometimes we allow money or desires or maybe it's technology or computers. Maybe it's our position that we have. Lord, as these things become idols in our lives, we focus on them more than you. And we confess that. And we cast that before you that those things would not be idols no more, but we would be able to to treat them as they are. Something you've given us, something you have there that would allow us to reflect back to you, Lord. And Father, we just want to reflect you. We want to bring Christ first in our life. As a church, we don't want to have any idols in our church that people would see, hey, these, these people aren't really showing Christ. They're more concerned about something different. But as a church, we want people to see Christ. And so we confess and ask that we would put these kinds of idols out of our lives, however big, however small, however in any way it doesn't reflect Christ, help us to put those away. So we as a church would solely focus on bringing the gospel of Christ to these people. And Lord, we ask all these things In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Father God, you are here with us right now. You are going in and amongst the chairs, looking at our hearts, touching us on the shoulders. Father God, we know that you are pleased when we humble ourselves. and confess to you these things. Father, many of us in this room are are angry people. That anger is controlling us. We keep playing the tapes over and over in our head of people that have wronged us, and that anger just grows and grows and grows. And God, we're tired of that now, and we confess that to you, and we ask in Jesus' name that you would just obliterate that. God, we don't want to be angry anymore. We don't want to be consumed or lose joy 
because of anger towards other people. Father God, the, the wrath, quick temper. Father God, we just come before you with that. And, and Lord, so many of us are so quick to respond with a harsh word. Lord, it's become a habit inside of us. It's become a character issue inside of us that we just respond in such a way that is sharp and hard and is destroying others. God, would you hear our cry? We just confess that to you. Father, malice, wishing harm to other people. Lord, too often we just say, would you just remove them? Just take them back home. Get them out of this country. Get them out of this place. Get them out of the neighborhood. Oh, God, we just want to come before you again and just say, we're sorry for the times where we have wished evil on others instead of being a blessing to others. So, Father God, we confess these things to you in Jesus' name. Pastor Kevin, uh Ask each one of us to pick, or actually he assigned some sins that we would pray over. And the ones that he's assigned to me are the sins of the tongue. And so I'm going to read a passage in James that's germane, and then I'm going to pray over those sins. James chapter 3 and verse 2, beginning at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And Paul, in the passage in Colossians, he's hit every one of us. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able also to bridle his whole body. The tongue is the manifestation of all these sins. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of a deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. And Father, forgive us. 
we have usurped your authority, your sole authority to judge. We are not the judge. We have used words, slanderous words and obscene language to describe your beautiful creation. Our brothers and sisters. Forgive us, Father. And turn our hearts towards you. That, Lord, we would only use words of blessing, of love and encouragement. And that, Father, we would demonstrate to our brothers and sisters that we do love them. That we are together in this struggle. And that we would be vulnerable to one another. We would expose ourselves and our own weaknesses. To one another. That we would not attempt by our words to make ourselves look better. That we would not by our words attempt to make others look less. But that, Lord, we would only interact with our brothers and sisters in such a way that is encouraging, that is building up, it is kind, it is forgiving. Because the words of judgment are for you alone. We are all in the same boat. We have nothing to hold over one another. We are all guilty. We are all condemned. And we are all rescued by you alone. And so, Lord, may we put aside, may we put to death lies and slander against one another. And only speak the truth. And only speak in kindness and loving towards one another. Forgive us, Father, for the sins of our tongue. And we yield to your influence. As your word says, no human can control the tongue. Only you can control us. Only by yielding to you and your authority and your power and your influence and your spirit can we have any hope of controlling our tongue. And so we yield to you, we submit to you, and we ask you to empower us to be the people that we ought to be in Jesus' name. Amen. As we just continue now, if I could ask the worship team to come up. Maybe there's something that is just tugging at your heart and we haven't covered that. Lord, we just want to come before you for these other things. Father God, we don't want to walk out of this room without confessing it to you, saying we're sorry to you, repenting to you. Father God, we want to go from here totally, completely clean, washed, 
by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father God, we thank you for the incredible promise that you've given to us because you say that if, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and you will forgive us our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father God, we claim that right now. Lord, we have confessed, we've come before you. And Lord God, we thank you that you have now cleansed us. And Lord God, as we, we want to hold on now to actually being with you in the heavenly places. Father God, we want to come and we want to worship you right now with our voices and just to say thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.